The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. Happy New Year to you all. I hope 2023 has done right by you so far. I've got some spine tinglers tonight, so get ready. A big shout out to those on the online campfire for hanging around with me during the break and uh, keeping the fire stoked. I got some much needed rest and I'm looking forward to this season. As a note of thanks to all of those over on the campfire, I'm releasing this extended episode to everyone over there. This is a benefit available now to our top tier members, the Grand Master level, and we have two additional levels available as well. So if you'd like to join around the campfire, head over to patreon.com slash nightmare society and uh, check it out. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of Nightmare Society. I was 13 years old, I lived in a small town in Virginia. My dad was in the army at the time, and deployed. He's retired now. For those of you who don't know, being deployed means that he had to go overseas for a few months, up to a year. Unfortunately for us, my dad had to leave for 10 months. So it was just my mom, me, and my younger brother. We had lived in Virginia for about two years, and I enjoyed it a lot because I was a sucker for woodsy areas. I was a bit of a tomboy and loved playing outside and skateboarding rather than most girls my age who were starting to get into boys and makeup. I was really close to my dad, so I was pretty upset when he had to leave. Since the last time he got deployed, I was little. My mom was one of those cheerleader mom types who desperately wanted me to be girly. Because of it, the older I got, the more upset I became about it, so we were not that close. So my dad had been gone for about a month when the new neighbor moved in. We lived in a woodsy area with a half acre of land and a lake at the end. Although it legally belonged to the property of other neighbors, they didn't care if we used it. Our house was normal sized, two stories with my mom's beautiful garden in the back that had lots of flowers. I don't even know the names of them. There were also lots of trees, and my brother and I loved to play in them. My brother Aaron was 10 at the time, and we were very close. We were out in the backyard running around playing one game or another when my mom dragged us inside. 
I'll never forget the rest of that day. She wanted us to meet our new neighbor who moved in on the house to the left of us. She had baked some kind of pasta that Aaron and I tried to eat, but we had to give it to the neighbor. We walked outside and I saw a moving truck. The house was similar to ours, a two-story house with gray paint and a small front porch. My mom rang the doorbell, and then almost instantly my neighbor opened the door. She was a woman in her mid-fifties maybe, and had black graying hair that was extremely long. It looked similar to the little girl's hair in the movie The Ring, but less of it covered her face. She had deep wrinkles and dark, muddy brown eyes. She gave me the creeps the minute I saw her. My mom tried to act polite, but I knew she made her uncomfortable too. She handed her the pasta and the woman took it without a word. I later learned her name was Eugenia. Her eyes never left mine, even as she took the pasta. I was squirming around uncomfortably while my mom introduced herself and then us. These are my kids, Aaron and Riley. It seemed Eugenia snapped out of some kind of trance because she looked at my mom and said in a creepy, croaky-like voice, Riley? What a lovely Then she tried to smile, but it came out more of a grimace. After that, my mom rushed us home saying that we had to cook dinner or something like that. The rest of the day, I couldn't stop thinking about that creepy woman. I never thought she would change my life in the most horrible way. It had been a few weeks since we met Eugenia, and I nearly forgot her. She never talked to us, never made any kind of interaction, until one day I was walking outside to the wait for the bus. I needed to pass by her house to get to the corner where it came. I felt like someone was watching me, so I looked over at her house and saw her holding a flower it looked to be from my mom's garden and smiling at me from what I assumed to be the bedroom window. She was really smiling, with teeth and all. I stopped and looked at her, and I remember feeling my heart drop, even though she wasn't doing anything to me. The worst part was that she wasn't backing away or closing the curtains or anything. She was just smiling at me and holding one of my mom's flowers. I almost missed the bus because it took me so long to look away. After that, things really started to change. First, it was when Aaron and I played outside. We would often feel like we were being watched, and I would look over and see her standing in the middle of her yard, watching us from the chain-link fence. It would happen every single time we were outside. At first, I don't think Aaron noticed, but after a while, we stopped going outside as much in fear that she would be there. I don't ever remember her saying anything either. Eventually, we told my mom and she tried to brush it off, saying she was probably just making sure we didn't get hurt. It made me really angry she didn't try to do anything early on. Then the phone call started. She called our home phone every day, almost always around 3.30 when I got home from school. At first, I answered not knowing it was her. I would say hello, and then she would hang up. I stopped answering around the fifth phone call. I told my mom, and she said she would answer next time, 
when Eugenia called, my mom picked up. Our home phone is in the kitchen, and I was there with my mom doing homework when Eugenia spoke for the first time. Hello, who is this? Is Riley there? She spoke very loud, and my mom and I both instantly knew it was Eugenia. My mom said, yes, she is. Why? Then Eugenia hangs up. I later came to the conclusion that she called to make sure I was home. I was fairly certain she watched me get off the bus every day, so I don't know why she called us. One Saturday, my mom chaperoned my brother's school field trip and let me stay home alone. I was pretty nervous because I was hardly allowed to stay home by myself, and the phone calls were coming every day still. I was scared of my neighbor, but my mom assured me I was fine and locked all the doors. After about an hour by myself, I started to relax and was downstairs watching some show when someone knocked on the door. I knew it would be hours until my mom and brother were back, so I didn't answer the door in fear it was Eugenia. The person knocked for a solid 30 seconds, then stopped. I thought they would leave. Then they banged on the door, really, really loud. It happened over and over again for about a minute. Terrified, I ran into the bathroom and dialed 911, but didn't call them yet. The knocking continued. Then Eugenia's voice yelled, Riley, I know you're in there, Riley. Let me inside. Now I was even more terrified, but I still didn't call the cops. After about another minute, she stopped. I didn't come out for another 20 minutes until I could be sure she was gone. I told my mom the minute she came home, and then she really started to get worried. We really had a reason to be, too, as time went on. My bedroom was on the second floor and faces the back of the house. I had a window that looks directly into the backyard. One night I was in my room, pretending to smoke a cigarette with one of those rubber things on mechanical pencils. It had been about a month since the incident and she still called and watched me go to and from school. My mom never went to her house to confront her because I begged her not to go to the house, in fear something would happen to her. Eugenia never left the house to my knowledge, so we couldn't talk to her about it outside or out in public. I was facing my window that day, smoking my fake cigarette, and listening to music on my iPod when my mom burst into the room. I was surprised and asked her what was wrong, because it looked like she was about to cry. She said, what are you doing with that, and then yanked the rubber pencil thing out of my hand. I shamefully told her I was pretending to smoke it. She was crying, and I asked her what was wrong. She told me someone called her cell phone and told her I was smoking. She was fairly certain it was Eugenia. The most terrifying part is that in order to see me from the window... You would have to be standing in our backyard. I still don't know how she got my mom's cell phone number either. We were on edge all the time. My brother didn't really know what was going on, but he assumed it had something to do with Eugenia. The fact that mom and I were scared all the time made him scared too. We never played outside anymore, and my mom started driving us to and from school after I told her about Eugenia watching me. I don't know why she was so obsessed with me, 
but her phone calls to my mom still didn't stop. One time Eugenia called mom while I was helping her cook dinner and said something like, That looks good. We were close to the window in the kitchen, but it faces our other neighbor's house, so I don't know how she knew when we were cooking. I can only think that she had installed webcams or something outside the house, though we never found anything when we left. It had been seven months and she still harassed me. It was usually phone calls to my mom. If I had a phone at the time, I'm sure she would have called me too, about whatever I was doing at the time. Whether it was something like reading or doing homework or watching TV, she always told my mom what I was doing, even if she was in the room with me. I never asked my mom why she didn't block her number. One day I heard her call and tell my mom that I wasn't her daughter. I was Eugenia's, and she needed to bring me home right away, or she would call the cops. My mom called her a psycho, then she said something back that made my mom cry. I still don't know what it was, and she won't tell me no matter how much I ask about it. One day my mom and I got in a fight and I stormed out the front door. I wasn't actually going to go anywhere, but I needed to cool off. I heard Eugenia's door open and I froze in fear. It was like she was waiting for me to come outside. She emerged, looking worse than usual. It looked like she had dirt all over her clothes and her hair was messy and tangled. I thought she had dried blood on the hem of her shirt, but I'm still not sure. She was holding a container. It looked like rotten, moldy pasta, but I'm sure was the pasta we gave her. She looked me right in the eyes, then asked me if I was hungry and if I wanted to come over and eat. I didn't respond or do anything. I just stood there frozen. She looked angry, then flipped the container over the porch, then dumped the food out. She never broke eye contact with me. My mom came outside a minute later and dragged me back in. Nothing particular happened after that for a while. She still called and watched me walk to the bus stop when my mom couldn't drive me. Sometimes I heard my mom cry at night and watched her eyes tear up after the phone rang. We never told my dad, but one night when I snuck downstairs to get a snack, I heard my mom talking to him on the phone about it. They were talking about getting a gun to protect me. I never snuck downstairs after that. After what seemed like an eternity, my dad finally came home. I was 14, and I don't think I've ever been so happy to see someone. It didn't take long for us to be relocated to a city in Texas. I'm fairly certain my dad applied for us to be moved, and I'm not complaining. The day we left, Eugenia opened her front door and smiled at me, then blew me a kiss. My dad flipped her off, and then we were gone. We are in Texas now, and the phone calls still happen. My mom got a new phone, but Eugenia still found the number. My mom blocked it, and now she calls me and my dad. When she calls me, she, on the chance I answer, which I did the first few times, says she loves me and can't wait for me to come home. I assume she says the same things to my dad. I blocked her number and my dad did too. We called the police, but they say there's nothing they can do. She still somehow finds a way to call us. 
It's been over two years and she is still obsessed with me. The calls have died down to only a few a month. Now she texts me more and more. She texted me a while ago and wished me a happy birthday. I don't know how she knows. I don't want to know. I'm tired. I just want it to stop. Does anyone know how she could still be calling and texting us? I don't know how she does it, and I don't know how to stop it without completely getting rid of my phone. I did finally pry some information out of my mom. She told me Eugenia's last name. I'm not going to give it out, but I did do a name search on Google and nothing really came up. No murders or sexual assaults. Just a seemingly normal woman according to the stuff I found. However, a few searches in, I found an old obituary post mourning the death of a four-month-old baby that died in her sleep. Her mother was Eugenia, or so I assume. They had the same first and last name, and the date appeared to match how old I assumed Eugenia was. If I'm correct, which I am sure I am, that would make Eugenia 56. Guess what her baby's name was? Riley. When I found this out, I just wanted to go to sleep and wake up with a new name, because then maybe none of this would have happened. I would have had a creepy neighbor, nothing more. But my name is still Riley, and I still have to deal with her. Eugenia might have found this post, but I'm not going to delete it. Eugenia, if you're reading this, leave me alone. I'm not your daughter. You're not my mother. So if you try to come anywhere near my family... I'll make sure the police stop you, or I'll find a way to do it myself. Between the ages of 17 and 19, I worked at a small local bakery. There were less than 15 employees spread across all the night and day shifts, so we only had a few people working during the day. One of these people was Dave, the delivery driver. Dave immediately gave me an off vibe. He was in his mid-fifties and way too friendly to a teenage girl. But the boss told me straight up that yes, he could be annoying, but no one worked harder than he did, so just ignore his antics. When I signed the paperwork, they never asked me to submit a background check. In hindsight, that should have been red flag number two. Over the course of the year or so that I worked with Dave, I tried very, very hard to ignore him. He was rarely outright creepy, but he was always just a bit too friendly. He would stick around to lick the bowl after I made Rice Krispie treats. He would always stand in front of the racks of equipment or other ingredients, just enough that sometimes my hand would brush him while I was reaching for something. He always stood just a little too close. He was constantly asking me about my life, what I liked, what I did for fun, if I had a boyfriend. Almost daily, he would tell me how a nice girl like me should have a boyfriend, how maybe a boyfriend would be good for me. I let this slide because sometimes older people can say things that were meant differently in their time. Then it was concert invites. Every other week he had tickets to one concert or another. Once he figured out my genre of music, 
It was almost exclusively tickets to bands I desperately wanted to see, but I also knew I should not go anywhere with him. I don't like to associate with co-workers outside of work anyway, and I had seen way too many red flags about Dave to trust him for even a second. My birthday came. He brought me a t-shirt. It was two sizes too small. He asked me to try it on. I said no. He told me to try it on after work and text him a photo. He gave me his number. He asked for mine. I said no. He asked the other pastry chef for my number. She had my back and refused as well. He also bought me two tickets to a band I'd been waiting to see. VIP section. 21 plus only. He said he could get me in, but I had to go with him and him alone. I refused. He told me he could get me booze. I still declined. For months and months this continued. I brought it up to one of my bosses, but they laughed it off as classic Dave. When he wanted a hug on his birthday and hugged me without my consent, there's Dave for you, offering to get me booze or pot. Aw, Dave, you scamp. When he pulled up his shirt and showed me his abdominal scar from a supposed snowboarding accident, well, that's just Dave. No respect for boundaries, but a good worker. I seriously considered having one of my big, strong male friends come in under the guise of being my boyfriend just to placate Dave. I was repulsed by him, and he hadn't really done anything to classify himself as a predator. Besides asking for my number, he had never tried to harass me outside of work hours, and besides the odd hug or two that I was too afraid or shy to refuse, he hadn't gotten super physical. Then one day Dave was gone. His name disappeared from the employee roster. My boss asked to see me in the office. She informed me that Dave was no longer an employee at their business. Dave had been fired. Dave was fired because Dave was a convicted sex offender. Davey here had two counts of rape and one count of kidnapping a minor from the mid-90s, about the time I was born actually. They had never background checked him, and when they contacted a friend in the police department, they found out that Dave had been lying on lots of paperwork, hiding the fact that he was a convicted felon, and not notifying anyone when he moved. Once they brought this information to the police department's attention, they had a few more charges to add. They found out because apparently he had been stalking and harassing one of the clients he delivered to showing up at her home when he shouldn't have known where she lived. After his termination, Dave showed up to work one day. He had a weapon, but I never found out what he had. They told him to leave or the police would be called. He ended up leaving. In handcuffs. I'm so thankful I wasn't there that day. Another little tidbit. The police officer my bosses knew had been in the police department for a while and knew one of the officers who had arrested Dave in the 90s. That abdominal scar was from a run-in with the cops, and he got injured trying to climb over a fence. That was a few years ago, but sometimes I still think about how badly things could have gotten had I gone to even one of those concerts with him. So, Dave, let's not meet 
I hope I never have to see your disgusting face ever again. Here in South Africa, we're in lockdown right now. I meant to travel for work to Santa Barbara, but since we're under lockdown, we thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.